what do we what do we call them? Cornerstonians or uh, don't know? We need to come up with a name for y'all. What, what's that? <laughs> no, I don't think we'll call you cornerstoners. <laughs> that was good though. I appreciate it, man. Maybe at one time they were. Maybe some of you still are, you know. Hey, maybe Colorado will happen here, you know. I don't know. But anyway, I'm always happy to come and to hang out with you all. I love this church. This church has has been a uh, foundation pillar in mine and Sherry's ministry, and we're thankful for you being here. And I'm excited about what's going to happen in your future. And, uh, you know, I just, I know that, you know, things are good right now, but I just I just see something in the spirit even bigger, even greater, more people being influenced, more lives being changed, more families being helped, more people being introduced to Jesus. And that's a good thing. And Sherry's with me today. I'd like to introduce you to my wife, Sherry. Sherry, would you stand up and wave at everybody? We're going to celebrate our 39th consecutive wedding ceremony, our wedding anniversary. Consecutive, you know, we had a break in there, so it's actually more than that. But uh, we had a break when we were divorced, but this December 19th is that. But uh, anyway, I brought some stuff with me. Everybody say stuff. And actually, I would like to give you some stuff. Is that all right? You like free stuff? Is that okay? All right, here's what you do. Get your smartphone out. It's like you come to church and they actually tell you, you know, somebody's already got it out. That's the way I am. It's out all the time. And to get it out, and I want you to go to a web address. Oh, there it is. Go to therevjb.com slash sg. And I want to give you a gift. I put together this teaching series called How to Be a Spiritual Giant in 60 Seconds or Less. And the crowd went mild. I could feel the unbelief in the possibilities of my title. How to be a spiritual giant in 60 seconds or less. I put it together because I wanted to speak to us men, but you ladies will be helped by it also. Because really, in reality, most things that happen in our life happen in just a matter of a few moments. We experience them. We receive the answer the, the promise comes, all of those things happen in just a few minutes. But there are a few things that you can do right now in your life that will drastically and dramatically change your present and your future in less than 60 seconds. And so I put this together. It's a series of about six messages. The longest is six minutes long. Most of them are, are two minutes or less. And I did it just for guys, you know, just to have something. It's like, hey, I can do this. And so I want to give that to you. So if you just go there, go to that web address, put in your email address and your name, and then those things will start showing up every couple of days. You'll just get an email. And if you don't like it, you can always opt out of it, okay? But I wanted to give you that just as a, just as a present. So, but we do have some stuff with us. We've got the set of our Christmas music. So, Man, It's Christmas on CD and DVD. We put those together and make a deal for that. My CD exchange is out there. God Screams, the last song that we did is on that CD. 
There's a bunch of other music out there. If you don't want CDs, we do have some download cards that you can get and save you some money and keep us from having to give Apple a whole bunch of money when you go to iTunes and download that stuff. My book is out there. If you haven't read my book, this would be a good project for you to do for the new year coming up. Don't take your dreams to the grave to just start reading that as a, as a way of just saying, hey, you know what, I'm going to work on my dreams. And we have a couple of new teaching series out there. Well, this one is actually about dreams. It's called Dream Acceleration. Dream Acceleration. Dreams are a New Testament standard of communication. God promises that he would speak to us in dreams. Three times in the first two chapters of the New Testament, God specifically speaks to the family via the instrument of dreams. But And all of us have dreams, whether we want to admit it or not, or whether we have courage enough to face it and to go for it. But every now and then, our dreams come to a place where they're stagnant or they're stuck. And we need something that helps us to get back on track to seeing our dreams fulfilled. And in this series, I found some keys from the Bible that I would like to share with you that would help you to get your dreams back on track. So it's Dream Acceleration. It's a four-CD set. And then we have, a, Sherry and I have a new relationship series that we just did, and I love the title of it because I like saying it to Sherry. The title of it is, You're Not the Boss of Me. <laughs> so turn to somebody and say, you're not the boss of me. You don't have to say it with an attitude. You're not the boss of me. The subtitle is, In Love and Out of Control. Because listen, one of the biggest questions that you'll ever answer in your life and you'll ever really address from a heart level is who's going to be in charge? Some of you all enjoying that too much back there. (laughs) I think I hit a tender spot. But one of the biggest questions that you'll ever answer is who is going to be in control? And anytime there's control in a relationship, there's problems. God didn't didn't design us to be in control. He designed us to be in a loving relationship of trust that we yield ourselves to each other. And so all that stuff is out there. And when you buy it, you help us to be able to do what we do. How many of you have never heard me before? Can I could you raise your hand? Just like, man, there's a bunch of you. That's great. We, we tag our ministry, I mean, our tagline is preaching the gospel and playing the blues. Sherry and I are committed to not only being in church, which we are, we call it inside, outside. We're in a church pretty much every week of the year in a different church someplace doing what I'm doing today. But also because of my music, we have the opportunity to be in all kinds of churches or all kinds of non-church venues. So, for instance, next Sunday evening, uh, the band and I will be in Pomeroy, Iowa. How many of you know where that's at? At a place called Byron's Blues Bar. And uh, no, you don't. You don't. Do you? Do you know where Pomeroy? Okay, there you go. This is where, that's that corner stoner over there. He's. A... <laughs> and and on the 18th, we'll be down at Knucklehead Saloon here in Kansas City. But we have the opportunity to be out with people who don't believe like we believe, just like you do. And, and it's just such a wonderful thing because we see the impact that just being there has on people's lives. So when you buy this stuff 
and later there'll be an offering for us at the end of the service when you give. That's what it's all about. All right, so grab your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 9, and I want us to say the, the Lord's Prayer together. Can we do that? Can, you, can I like say it and you repeat it after me kind of thing? Can we do that? Like a call and repeat kind of thing? The Lord's Prayer, it's the model prayer that Jesus said, in this manner, therefore pray. And it goes like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be, the, be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Well, today, you might think that I've gone a little bit crazy. Because I just, I just, when I was preparing for this service yesterday, I spent all day just off and on just working on this message. And, and when I was preparing, I just had one of those moments when my imagination took over. You ever have those moments? You know, that's a good thing. You know, you don't need to be afraid of your imagination. God gave you that. He specifically designed it to be part of you. And as long as it's, it's confined in the boundaries of his word and what's acceptable to him, it's a good thing. But I have one of those moments. So you might think I'm a little bit nuts, but I want you to just kind of go with me on this imaginary journey that we're going we're gonna to take today. I was thinking about the holidays. And, you know, there's just something about the holidays and coming home. There's something that's just magical about it. Even if you had a terrible childhood, still in your heart, I believe there's this dream. Even, even though you might have had a home that was full of all kinds of chaos and dysfunction, still in your heart, I believe there's this God-implanted desire or imagination of being able to come home. And I thought, you know, let's just imagine what it would be like if we could go to God's house for the holidays. If we could go, let's, let me put it more specifically. One of the radical things that our brother Jesus did when he got here to planet Earth, and it freaked all the religious leaders out. I mean, it freaked them out. Because he actually introduced God to us as our Father. It was a radical thing. It was an absolute radical thing for Jesus to stand up and say, when you pray, pray like this, our Father. He introduced and made clear the reality of the theme of the Bible. You know, in the announcement, George Ann was talking about the Bible being all these different authors over 1,600 years that have all woven together with a central message. That message is really, the theme of the Bible is really this, God's desire to be a father with a family. So if we could just imagine what it would be like to go to our father's house for the holidays. 
And just take this little journey with us. Let's just, just think about it. You're, you're driving to your father's house. You turn onto the street, and all of a sudden you start to have these emotions in your heart. You can see the house, and it might not be perfect, you know. I mean, you're just, you know, what your childhood home looked like. It might not be perfect, might not be a mansion, but there is just something about the excitement that's in your heart about what's going to happen. You get out of the car and you walk up the step to the door and you open the door and all of a sudden you're overcome by the fragrance of that place. You just can't, you know, it just causes all kinds of emotions and feelings to go off in your heart. There's just a flood of memories just from that smell. You walk through the door and there's just something about being there. You just sense that nothing's wrong because you're at your father's house. You know that the moment that you get there, that you're loved, that you're valued, that you're accepted, and that you're treasured, that you're home. You look as you walk in the door, and there he sits in his chair, smiling. His face lights up as he sees you. You feel the love coming deep from within his heart. He stands up to greet you, opens up his arms and wraps you up in them. And you know that you're safe and you know that you're loved. You don't have to perform or try to be someone that you're not. You don't have to guard yourself. You don't have to play any kind of games and hide. You're home and you're in your father's arms. You don't have to do anything because you are something. You're his child. Can you imagine the moment and what it feels like? What it feels like to go to our father's house for the holidays. And yesterday as I took this trip, I just thought, you know, we prayed that prayer. And that prayer, a major part of that prayer that we prayed said, your will be done, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I think that we should be those people that are creating environments in our home that would be just like it would be if we went to our father's house. For the holidays. So how do we do that? How do we create this home? How do we follow this pattern? We believe the prayer that we prayed. We believe the prayer that we prayed. We believe that it's possible for us to experience his kingdom here on earth. So as I thought about it, I thought about what it would be like to go to our Father's house. And I have three things that I want to share to you that we would not find if we went to our Father's house for the holidays. And I have four things that I want to share with you that we would find if we went to our Father's house for the holidays. So, number one, what we won't find at our, at our Father's house when we go home for the holidays It would not be a place of judgment. It would not be a place of judgment. 
John 3.18 says this, There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him. Now, I know that's hard for a lot of our religious minds to grasp, but it's the truth. The word salvation is the Greek word sozo. And one of the definitions of the word sozo is to be rescued from judgment. Is to be rescued from judgment. If we went to our father's house today, we wouldn't find judgment because there is no judgment for the family because our brother Jesus took upon himself the judgment of God for us all. There's something greater than judgment that we would find in our father's house. We would find mercy. James 2.13 says, For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. I love that verse. I remember the first time that I heard it. I heard it in a song. So many times songs speak to me. And I heard that phrase that mercy triumphs over judgment. And to me, it opened up my heart and it gave me a mode of operation, something that I could function and operate in that would be more functional than judgment. If we went to our father's house, there would be no judgment. Yesterday, in one of my breaks, I was on YouTube and I was listening to, to Mavis Staples. Probably most of you don't know who Mavis Staples is. She was part of the Staples Singers from the 60s and 70s. They were a gospel group, a family group, made up of Mavis, her sister, and their dad, Pop Staples. And they were incredible influence on music history. And they were an incredible voice during the civil rights movement. And Mavis, although she must be close to 80, she's still very active and she's still very efficient and very prolific in what she creates musically. And I was listening to this performance of her at an NPR studio. And she was singing this song. She was singing this song and it was called, Only the Lord Knows. And it was about who to trust. You know, she said, you pick up the paper, you put down the paper. You turn on the TV, you turn off the TV. You don't know who to trust. Everybody seems to have an opinion. And the tag of the song, when she got to that point, it just made me laugh. Because the tagline is, only the Lord knows, and he ain't you. <laughs> we went to our father's house there would be no judgment number two what we wouldn't find at our father's house if we went there for the for the holidays it would not be a time of lecturing teaching or witnessing more family members are alienated because of this one thing at the holidays than any other time they come to a family dinner and wham it's an instant time for a sermon, for a lecture, or for someone to witness their faith. Instead of trusting the Holy Spirit in his work with our family members, we function in fear rather than in faith and confidence in the Holy Spirit that he is completely capable of convicting the world of sin because that is his job. Yes, if you're asked, we should give an answer for the hope that lies within us, the Bible always says in 1 Peter 3.15. But you don't have to give answers 
to people who aren't asking questions. Yes, our family members need to hear the gospel. Yes, they need to experience the gospel. And the greatest, the key to the the beginning of that experience is to see how the gospel impacts you. And the way that people see how the gospel impacts us is in how how we treat them. If we went to our father's house, it wouldn't be a time of lecturing. Number three, if we went to our father's house, there would be no bad news. There would be no bad news. Now, I know I've told you this before, but Hebrews 9-11 is one of my favorite passages of Scripture because of what it says and because it reminds me that at some point in my life, I need a turbo Porsche Carrera 911 sitting in my driveway because I feel the need, the need for speed. But Hebrews 9:11 says, "So Christ has now become the high priest over all the good things that have come." Jesus has this office, this priestly office that he functions in. And I love that it says it's right now. It's not something future. It's not something to take place somewhere down the road. It's taking place right now. He is the high priest of the good things to come. And when you're around Jesus, he's got nothing but good news to talk to you about because everything that was bad, everything that was wrong, everything that was destructive, he himself has overcome. And us being called as representatives, as part of the family, we are those to represent our family. We should be those who have mouths that are full of nothing but good news. We need good news. If we went to our father's house, there would be no bad news there. Sherry's been reading an old book that we have called Faith Can Change Your World by Lester Summerall. Lester Summerall was a missionary pastor, statesman from South Bend, Indiana, who was a mighty man of God, who God used mightily. And uh, I met him when he was up in his 80s. I had lunch with him within the last week of his life. And he was just, a, he was, you know, at that point when you're 83, you pastor a 3,000-member 3, church. You speak outside of your church 200 times a year. You own two ocean-going vessels, and you're the only private citizen to own a C-130 airplane. You really don't mix words. You just get right to the point. And he came across as if he was just a grumpy old man. But he had, he had a lot to say. And I, was re- I picked up this book and I was reading it. And there was a story in there because his mentor was a guy by the name of Smith Wigglesworth. And Smith Wigglesworth was this mighty man of God who God used through miracles. He was a man who worked a lot of miracles. And he was a man that shook a lot of countries around the world. And so so Lester Summerall was going, the story starts that Lester was going to meet Smith Wigglesworth for the very first time. He was invited to his home, and he was going to meet him. He lived in London, and so he went and he stopped on his way there and got a morning newspaper, had it under his arm, walked up to the door, knocked on the door, and Smith came to the door, and he didn't greet him. He didn't say hello. He didn't say anything. He just said, what's that under your arm? 
And Lester said, it's a newspaper. And he said, well, you will be so kind as to leave it outside of my house because there will be no bad news in my house. If we went to the father's house, it would be like that. If you got some bad news, you can leave that stuff outside. And after all, there are some conversations that are better left outside of the house. You know, what would the father be talking about if we went to his house for the holidays? I, I, I just have to assume that if he's like me as a father and my kids are coming home for the holidays, I'm going to be asking them questions. I'm going to be wanting to hear them talk. I'm going to be wanting to hear their voices in my house. I'm going to be wanting to hear their laughter in my house. I believe that that's what we'd find in the father's house. So that's all the bad news stuff. So what would be there? What would we find in our father's house? Number one, I got four things. Number one, there would be family there. There would be family there. Our brother, Jesus, is home. Number two, there would be food there. Come on now, we got food at God's house. How about that? There would be food there. How do I know? He created it. God created food. How about that for all you foodies out there, man? God created food, and we're going to heaven, and we're going for dinner. I told the first service, I know what kind of food it is. It's barbecue. Because that's what all those burnt offerings are about in the Old Testament. It's barbecue. God loves barbecue. That's why he loves Kansas City so much. There would be food there. It's part of that prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. There would be food there. We'd go to the Father's house. We'd open up the door, and the aroma would just hit us in the face, and it would just take us back. There would be food there. Number three, there would be forgiveness there. There would be forgiveness there. It was in the Lord's Prayer. Just says, and forgive. Forgiveness is the hallmark, the pinnacle of Christian experience. And all of us have those, fa- those weird family members, right? Every, every family's got at least one weirdo in it. Yeah, it's you. You can just face up. It's you. You're the one. We have those family members that are different, that are sinful, and yet we all need the same thing. We need to be forgiven. Forgiveness is the beginning of everything in the kingdom. It's the beginning of everything. That's where it all starts. And that's why God said it's so important (coughs) for us to be fluent in forgiveness. Number four. It would be just like the kingdom here on earth. If we went to the Father's house, it would be just like the kingdom here on earth. 
What is the kingdom? Romans 14, 17. Romans 14, 17 says, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. If we're going to create the kingdom here on earth, like the Bible says, if we're going to see that take place, it's going to take place in our home. And our home should be reflective of the kingdom. It says that in the kingdom, the kingdom is righteousness. Righteousness theologically defined means as it should be. That we're right, or as it should be. That's the way our home should be. It says that there would be peace there. Peace, I believe, also is a hallmark of a Christian experience. Peace is the declarations that the angels gave when Jesus' birth was announced. They said, peace on earth and goodwill towards men. We need to have homes that are so full of peace. And when our families are there, we need to know that Romans twelve eighteen gives us a charge. It says, if it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. And joy. There would be joy there. There would be joy there. Lots of laughter. Lots of laughter. And you know, I was reading an article about uh, regret yesterday. And uh, it was a great article. I just, I just did a Google search on overcoming regret. It was a great article, and it just talked about the top ten things that people regret. And the number one is education. But when I was thinking about my kids, you know, the one thing my kids are all grown. You know, we got grown grandkids, and and uh, if there was one thing that I could go back and do over again, it would be I would laugh more. I would laugh more. There would be more fun in my house, and. Uh, and so this Thanksgiving when the kids were over, you know, we had a lot of laughter, and I loved it. But you should, you should think about that as a plan for your ho- upcoming holiday dinners. You might even have one today, you know. And we were sitting around, and our granddaughter, Michaela, she said, she said, hey, Pops, pull up YouTube and type in screaming goats. And look at the the Whitney Houston Screaming Goats video. And we did, and it's hilarious, man. And there's a Taylor Swift, there's a bunch of other, but a bunch of them you shouldn't watch. And, uh, <clears throat> but it was so great, and I just sit back and enjoyed it because there was so much laughter happening in our house. And I believe that that's what the Father's house would be like if we could go to that. I talked a lot about family today because that's God's deal. That's a big deal with God. You know, you walk outside, you look around, everything that you see is a testament of God's desire for a family. That's what this planet is about. That's what everything about it is. It's all about the reality of God's desire for a family. To be in this family with this wonderful father that I've described, you have to be born into it. And since you've already been born, he made a way. Did I say born? Since you've already been born, 
I'm not that. This is my inner hillbilly, you know. I was reading out of the hillbilly authorized version. Uh, Since you have already been born, he made a way for us to be born again. And being born again is the most remarkable experience that you will ever have on planet Earth. Because it is, it is so supernatural, so sacred, so powerful. It is the only force on earth that can transform human nature. The Bible tells us that when we are born again, another radical term that Jesus interjected, or he taught us while he was here. The Bible tells us that when we are born again, that we are given a new heart. There's something that happens within us, and God somehow miraculously takes our heart and gives us a new heart. The characteristics of this new heart are such that he describes our old heart as being hard and stony. He describes our new heart as being pliable, as being a heart of flesh, something that's pliable. Another characteristic of this new heart is is that he tells us that on this new heart he wrote his word, that his word is written upon our heart, where before we had this heart that was stony, that was hard, that didn't really comprehend the reality of how badly we were hurting ourselves. We now have this heart, and this heart has his laws on it, so that we automatically know what is good and what is bad. How many of you, before you met the Lord, didn't have any problem finding ways to sin? It's like you were really good at that. It just came natural. But after you were born again, it was like it was foreign to you. It was like it didn't taste the same. It wasn't the same. It didn't feel the same. And the reason why is because you were different. The Bible tells us that when we're born again, we get a new nature. A new nature. It's, it's a new DNA. We get a new DNA. Where we had a nature that was unrighteous, we now have a nature that is righteous. We receive a gift from our brother, Jesus, and it is the gift of righteousness. He makes us as we should be. By being born again, it qualifies us for all of the promises of God, for every one of them. The Bible tells us that all of the promises in Christ, in him, are yes and amen. And we qualify for all of those things because of what Jesus did for us. To be born again is the most incredible experience you can ever have as a human being. Some of you here might have never experienced that. And I want to just give you an opportunity to be born again into this family with this wonderful father that I talked about. Some of you might be here today and you might say, Jimmy, I've never experienced that. Well, you can, and we'd like to help you experience that. Some of you might be here today and you might say, well, you know, Jimmy, I just don't know. You know, I was sprinkled as a baby or I was baptized as a child or confirmed or whatever, but I just don't feel that connection to God in my heart. In just a moment, I'm going to ask us, to bow our heads. Why don't we just do that? I want you just out of respect for each other and reverence for God. Would you just bow your heads and close your eyes? And if you're here today and you say, Jimmy, I've never experienced being born again, but I want to, I want to believe. 
Or if you're here today and you say, Jimmy, I'm just not, I just don't feel that I'm connected. I don't feel that it's right. Then I just want you in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. And we're just going to pray together right there where you're at. To be born again, to have a new start, to have a new beginning. To have the old things pass away and everything be made new. That's the promise that we have by being born again. If you're here today and you say, Jimmy, I've never experienced that, or I'm just not sure, would you lift your hand right now so I can see it so we're going to pray together? Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. We're just going to pray a simple prayer. Church, I'd like for you to pray with all of us. Let's pray like this. Let's say, Lord Jesus, I come to you, and I want to be born again. I want a new start. I want a new heart. I want a new spirit. I want all that you have for me. And I come to you now in faith, believing and knowing that you love me, that you died for me. I turn from my sin and I turn to you. And I thank you. Father, I pray for these that lifted their hands, Lord, that this experience would be so real right now that they would know without a shadow of a doubt that you love them, that your arms are open, that you value them, that you treasure them. And Lord, from this day forward, may they experience the greatness of this family that you've birthed them into. And I thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give everybody a hand. Can we do that?